before we get into the word, I want to start with a question. Are you particularly nostalgic? Do you love nostalgia? It might be when that song plays or when you watch that movie or that TV show, when you see fashion trends making a comeback, when you see that random meme of floppy disks and CDs and Tamagotchis and Pogs, whatever it is, research has shown that we are hardwired to love nostalgia. And the bad thing about this is marketers have actually discovered that nostalgia is an excellent tool in getting you to buy their stuff, especially millennials. I'm a millennial. I know there's many millennials out there, but we are hardwired to want to buy stuff when marketers employ the tactical strategy of using nostalgia. That's why Pokemon Go is so successful. That's why Disney's rebooting all these animated things and making them live like the Lion King and, you know, Aladdin and Mulan, even though they're far less superior than the original animated versions, they're still making billions of dollars. Reboots of shows like Full House, Saved by the Bell. I heard Lizzie McGuire's making a comeback. Like, we love nostalgia. We're hardwired for nostalgia. See, nostalgia is all about stroking those, those threads of the past, the heartstrings of the past. It's all about evoking the feelings of an earlier, simpler, simpler time. Simply put, nostalgia is all about familiarity. And listen, here's the thing about familiarity. Familiarity is great. It's a great tool. Nostalgia is fun. There's there's emotions that it evokes. But familiarity kills wonder. Wonder is all about what's new, what's undiscovered, what's yet to come. Wonder says there are things yet unseen. Wonder says there's infinitely more to find. Wonder is like Pixar's Inside Out. Wonder is that new thing, not the reboot, not the retread, not the rehash. And what I want to propose is that maybe what's happened to our celebration of Christmas is we've gotten so familiar with certain parts of it that we've begun to lose the wonder of its essence. It's become just another story that we tell one month during the year, a story we know and that we're all familiar with. And maybe we wonder, what else can we glean from this narrative? How many more Christmas sermons can I hear? But I hear the invitation of the Lord saying, during this Advent season, during this Christmas season, that he wants us to recover the wonder and the beauty of the Christmas narrative. See, the beauty of Advent isn't just that Christ arrived once upon a time ago. It's that he's still arriving here today, right now, in your context, in your life, in your circumstances. And it's that he will still continue to arrive, and that he is arriving once more, one day, to set all things right. And so for our Advent collection this month, God with us, our heart is to rediscover and recapture the wonder of Christmas, the wonder of Jesus' birth. And I believe that God is going to breathe new life into this story that's become so familiar to so many of us. And so today, we are going to explore the Christmas narrative, but I want to explore it from a different lens Maybe a lens that you've never heard of before, and this is greatly inspired. If you know Scott the Painter, Scott Erickson, he's this amazing illustrator and artist on Instagram. This is inspired by a work that he's been doing and working on this Christmas season. And so, will you bow your heads with me? Will you pray as we begin to uncover and rediscover the wonder of this story?
Holy Spirit, we invite you here right now. We thank you that a Christmas story is not just a nice little story that we revisit once a year. It's not this cute little thing that we get to just tightly wrap up and neatly bow. But there's power. There's beauty. There's so many undiscovered things in this story about how you arrived on earth 2,000 years ago. And I pray that today you would speak to our hearts and show us how you are still arriving today in our lives, in this crazy year. And that, God, your advent was not just a story in the past, something that's forgotten and familiarity, but it's the wonder of how you're arriving yet again and again here today. We welcome you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 23. And I want to invite you, as I'm reading this story, I think it could easily just become one of those familiar things. I know the beats of that story. I know the words. I know how it goes. But will you just close your eyes as I'm reading this story and imagine with me this narrative and ask God to show you the wonder of this beautiful narrative. This is how it starts. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Advent simply means arrival, and this Advent season is a part of the traditional church calendar, and it's all about remembering and celebrating the arrival of Christ on earth 2,000 years ago. Now, historically, the church has been really good about sanitizing the parts of our faith that we hold most sacred. What do I mean about when I say sanitizing? Um, You know, back in the day, When we used to have people over at our house, I know it feels like so long ago, but back in the day when we used to have people over at our house, people would always comment, oh my God, Mickey, oh my God, Krista, your house is so clean, it's so prestige, it's so kinfolky, it's so hip and so wow vibes, like they would say it's so clean. But little do they know that right before they come over, Krista and I go into hardcore cleaning mode. We're cleaning every corner. We're vacuuming. We're making sure everything looks great and tidy so that when people come over, they don't see that we're actually kind of messy. Well, I'll speak for myself that I'm actually a pretty messy guy. We sanitize the house so people won't see the messy parts of our household. And in the same way, I think the church historically has done a great job of sanitizing the parts of our faith that we hold the most sacred. 
That's why we get white, clean-shaved, fair-skinned, always smiling Jesus. We make all these complex R-rated Bible stories into neat little Sunday school lessons. You know, the Christian music industry has been completely sanitized. You know, where are the songs about unanswered prayers and the grief of death, the agony of waiting and not seeing the promise to come? Where are all the songs and the honest artistry in the Christian music industry? Why? We've sanitized it so that now we have positive, encouraging Caleb. Nothing wrong with positive, encouraging Caleb. I'm just saying, we have sanitized our faith so much that when we come and we try to reinvoke these sacred stories and these sacred things, we miss out on a really special part of it. We sanitize our struggles when we come into community group. And we, people get this neat, nightly, nicely wrapped version of our lives instead of getting all the messy, gory, painful details. And I think it's safe to say that we have sanitized the Christmas story. Most images of Mary are of her well-rested, dressed in her Sunday best, looking all regal and nice. Most paintings of newly baby-born Jesus are, are of him sitting upright and, and clean with a halo over his head and all, all the barn animals looking all cute and fluffy. We don't see the fear in the eyes of a Middle Eastern teenager because of an unplanned pregnancy. We don't see Mary hunched over the side of the road because of morning sickness. We don't see the alien-shaped head of baby Jesus fresh out of the womb, covered in goop, gooey fluids, blood, and hair. We sanitize the Christmas story. I mean, have you seen a newly born baby? They're not cute. Their heads are really misshaped. They look like aliens. They don't look like those cute, you know, we get photographers to take pictures of babies. They don't look like that. They look really weird when they come out of the womb. If you haven't seen a picture, you have to. I remember one of the most traumatizing things that I've ever experienced was in fifth grade, they sat us down and they put in a a, a videotape into the VCR. And it was pretty much a video of a live pregnancy, of uh, a birth. And I remember watching this as a fifth grader being traumatized. I had, you know, you imagine that, you know, it's this beautiful thing. The husband's holding the wife's hands. Baby pops out, goes into the arm. It's all neat and beautiful. There are all sorts of fluids. There's blood. There's hair. There's goop. It is a messy, messy process. It's goopy. It's messy. It's, it's so much more than the sanitized version that we think about. And no wonder that we've lost the wonder of the Christmas story. We've sanitized all the humanity out of it. Now, Scott Erickson, he says this, A sanitized brand we've created to celebrate Christmas aesthetically suggests we can only experience God with us by cleaning up all of life's messy details. But what we see through the details of the birthing process is that the Christ story is actually about a God who brings salvation to the world through all those messy details. The labored breathing, groaning, shouting of a mother, the powerlessness of a writhing, crying newborn, the fear of not having a sanitized place to give birth, a saving way came into the world just like we did in all of its goopy humanity. You know, how someone arrives says a lot about who they are. 
I used to be a big fan of professional wrestling, WWF, now WWE. And you would know what a wrestler was like by their entrance. And so the bad guys would always come out to this ominous music and minor chords, or it would be heavy rock metal guitar. The, the, the fans would be booing as they're walking down the aisle. They'll be, like, cussing out the different fans. Even when they get in the ring, their demeanor, you could tell that they're a bad guy. But when the good guys would come, like, people would cheer so loud. They would lift their hands, and people would cheer. And it would be such a different entrance. You could tell a lot about who someone is by how they arrive. And how Jesus arrives says so much about who he is. Why? Because Jesus chose to arrive on earth, not on a flaming chariot, not on a grand throne, not descending from the sky, but through a womb. Think about that for a second. Our king chose to make his grand entrance into our world through a womb, a messy vulnerable, human womb, covered in goop, covered in all the messy fluids of coming out of that human womb. See, Jesus could have arrived as a fully grown man, full of strength, stature, and power, but no, he chose to arrive as a helpless babe, weak and vulnerable, through the same womb that you and I came from. What does it say about a God who's willing to be this vulnerable with us? Who's willing to come into this world through the statistical risk of childbearing? Who's willing to wait and grow in the human womb for nine months just like you and I? Who's willing to be fearfully and wonderfully made just like us? Scott Erickson says, A birth is a rite of passage in human vulnerability. And the Almighty did not insulate himself from participating in that. That the Christ was born of blood like we are. That the Christ partook in the powerless vulnerability of coming into the world naked and weak like we often still feel. That the Christ was born into the fecal muck of human biology which we seem to wade through for the rest of our lives. God with us in all of our goopy humanity. You know, we're at that age, we're getting a little older, we're at that age where a lot of our friends are starting to have babies, a lot of our friends are starting to get pregnant. And you don't really think about how scary and how vulnerable and how uncertain a pregnancy is. But now that so many of our friends are getting pregnant, we see the process isn't the sanitized version that we often think of. You don't really think about how common miscarriages actually are. You don't really think about the fact that for nine months you have this life growing inside of you that you can't see, touch, or talk to, or understand the progress of. You know, we have technology, but even with our technology, most of the time you have no idea what's going on inside of you. If the baby's doing well, if the baby's growing okay, if the baby's doing all right, you can't see the progress of the fragile knitting process of the fetus. And it's such a vulnerable process. Yet this is the way our Messiah decided to come into our world. He made himself vulnerable. He came through the messiness of childbirth. He came through the weakness and the vulnerability of the human womb. And when Jesus arrived through the womb, he was saying, I'm not interested in having a distant relationship with you. 
I'm not interested in being so far removed, but I want to know you intimately. I want to know your experience as messy and as uncomfortable as it is. You see, any real connection involves vulnerability. And Jesus made himself the most vulnerable that he could possibly be by entering into the world as a helpless babe through a messy human womb. And this is the heart of Advent. This is the heart of Christmas. Not this pristine, sanitized picture of a holy baby being birthed in a beautiful barnyard. But this story, with all of its messy, gory details, and all of its goopiness, that the Messiah of the world chose to get down into the mess where we were at. Listen, if you're looking for God, you'll find him in the goop. You'll find him in the mess. You'll find him in the vulnerability, in the pain, in the heartbreak, in the waiting. That's where you'll find our Messiah. And it says so much about who he is, because this is how he chose to come. Doesn't God with us take on a whole nother meaning when we see him in this light? He knows what you're going through. Why? Because he's gone through it too. He knows what you're feeling. Why? Because he's felt it too. He doesn't just know about our human plight. He's lived it. You know, Jacob and I love skateboarding. And, you know, we have this thing where, I don't want to call, okay, we just have this thing where we, we love to see authentic skateboarders, okay? And there's something about how a skateboarder dresses where you could tell if they're the real deal or not. And the way that you notice is by looking at their shoes. Now, skateboarders, when they skate, their shoes get ratted up because they're trying to ollie, and so it's pressing against the grip tape, and it starts ripping and tearing. And so if you see a skater come to the skate park with, you know, brand new shoes, not ripped, untouched, it could be one of two things. Number one, they just got new skate shoes because their other skate shoes were torn up. Or number two, they're poser. And, you know, I would never approach a skateboarder, at least one who's doing tricks. You know, riding is a different thing. I know we have some cruisers in our congregation. I'm not talking about you. But I would never ask a skateboarder with clean shoes to teach me how to skate. When I see that torn up shoe, when I see the rips, when I see the tears, I could tell this is a skater. And I could learn a thing from this. I never trust a skater whose shoes aren't ripped up. In the same way, I would never trust a God who hasn't lived our experience, who hasn't experienced the pain that we've experienced, who haven't felt humanity the way that we experience it every single day. And Jesus, by coming through a womb in all of its messiness, is saying, I know your human experience. I have lived it. I have intimately known it. I have felt it. And so you can trust me. You can know that I am not just speaking of something that I don't know about. I have lived it. And I've overcome. And how Jesus arrived not only tells us who who he is. It shows us how he still arrives today. You know, Jesus doesn't just meet us on the mountaintop. He doesn't just meet us when we're full of worship, lifting our hands and singing. He doesn't just meet us when we're fervently praying or reading his word. He meets us when we don't have the strength to sing. He meets us when we don't have the words to pray. He meets us in our doubts. 
in our fears, in our questions. He meets us in the messes that we've made of our lives. You know, it's been a really, really hard year. 2020 has not been kind to anyone. And maybe there's this temptation for us to look at 2020 and try to sanitize it. I know as Enneagram Type 7 ENFP, always looking at the bright side, optimist, positive Mickey, always tries to sanitize things. And I think there's this temptation for so many of us, whether you're my personality type or not, for us to look at this hard, difficult year and try to sanitize it, to look on the bright side, to count our blessings, to overlook the difficulty of it all. But when we sanitize the pain, when we sanitize the tears, the doubts, the moments of worry, and the moments of fear, we miss out on truly experiencing God with us. He's the God of the goop. He's the God of the mess. He's the God of the heartbreak. And he is God with us in it all. And I think the beautiful thing about Christianity is we serve a God who's lived our experience, who knows our pain, who understands our struggle, who empathizes with our weakness, and instead of sanitizing it, he embraces it. He says, this is where you'll find me, in the heartbreak, in the unknown, in the waiting, in the mess, in the goop, in the layoff, in the broken family relationships, in the waiting while everyone around you is getting married, in the sickness of your loved one, he's there with you. There was a moment when the presence of God felt like morning sickness. There was a moment when the presence of God felt like uncertainty in the midst of a pregnancy. There was a moment when the presence of God felt like the pain of childbirth. The process of growth is always uneasy, and because growth never comes with ease, growth comes through the stretching and through the expanding. It comes through the pain and the heartache. Some of you right now are in that place where the presence of God feels more like doubt than it does like faith where the presence of God feels more like pain than it does rejoicing, where the the presence of God feels more like uncertainty than strong resolve. And I want to tell you that you don't have to sanitize those places, but that God with us, the beauty of Advent and Christmas is that God is with us even there. And I feel like God is saying, I don't want you to miss out on my presence I don't want you to miss out on Emmanuel this year because you're trying to sanitize all those places that you think are too messy, too dark, or too far from faith. We have to remember that Jesus was mighty, not because he overcame hardship, but Jesus is mighty because of his willingness to go through human hardship like you and I have to do. Listen, how does God show himself to be mighty? He humbles himself and he owns being human. How does God prove to be mighty? He dies on a cross. How does God prove to be mighty? He accepts the humility and weakness of being born. How does God show his mightiness? He accepts the humility and the vulnerability of eventually dying on the cross. And this is the mighty God that saves the world. And this is how he saves the world through. And so this is the invitation that God extends to us today. 
to witness the same arrival of God with us in all of our goopy, messy, and painful realities of our human lives. An honest advent leads to an honest hope. An honest advent leads to an honest joy and an honest peace and an honest love. Today, I feel like God is inviting us to experience not a sanitized, cookie-cutter, clean, neatly wrapped advent, but an honest one. Because it's in that honesty where we could experience true hope, joy, and peace. Maybe that area of your life that you so desperately want to sanitize is the very place where God wants to meet you today. So my challenge to you today is this, is to embrace your vulnerability, to embrace your weakness, to embrace your mess, to embrace your doubts, to embrace your waiting, to embrace your goop, because God is there in it. And the same God who spoke light into a dark and formless void is the same God who came as light through a messy, vulnerable, and weak womb. And maybe today God is saying that messy place, that goopy place in your life is the very place where my light is waiting to burst and shine through. Could it be that the doorway to experiencing God with us this Advent is embracing the vulnerable areas of our lives. May we not see vulnerability as this place of failure because of our inability to overcome it, but as the very invitation to partner with the mighty God through it. Why don't we pray? Hey God, we just confess what a, what a really hard year it's been. And maybe in our attempts to cope with the hardship of this year, we've sanitized so many areas of our lives. We've sanitized our pain. We've sanitized our doubts. We've sanitized our heartaches. We've sanitized the agony of waiting, and the uncertainty of the future. We've sanitized the mess and the goopiness of our everyday lives. But I hear you today, God, saying that you don't have to sanitize those areas. But I'm there in the messy, vulnerable, weak details of your life. And so today we remember an honest advent not a cookie-cutter, clean Christmas story, but the, the heroic tale of a vulnerable Middle Eastern teenager who discovered an unplanned pregnancy, who was visited and terrified by an angel saying that you in that womb are carrying the light of the world, the Messiah. Today we remember not a a beautiful scene that we see on stage with nice lights and cute animals and a clean birth, but we see a messy pregnancy just like the ones we have today with all the fluids, with all the goop, with all the craziness that goes into it. 
We remember a baby that came out of the womb, not clean and pristine, not sitting upright, but a baby that's crying, that's covered in human fluid and messiness. We see the true details of an honest advent. And I pray that today it gives us hope that our messy lives are the very place where you long to invade, where you long to shine your light through. And so today we are saying we want to embrace all those areas that we so desperately try to hide. And we say, God, we want to find you in it. So would you meet us in our pain? Would you meet us in our heartache? Would you meet us in our waiting? Would you meet us in our uncertainty? Would you meet us in our doubt? Would you meet us in our fears? Would you meet us in our brokenness, in our sin, in our mess, in our goop? Would you meet us in our humanity today and show us God with us? That you are here and you're not going anywhere. And would you give us hope knowing that this is the very place where your light is going to burst through. We thank you that you are God with us. That you are the God of the mess. The God of the goop. The God of all the hard things that we experience in our humanity.